You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast with Ari Goldweg, recorded with Hashem's never-ending assistance in Ramah B'Shem, Yisrael 5783, 2022. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Vayigash, and we have the reconciliation between Yosef and his brothers. He finally reveals his identity to his brothers. Yaakov Vinu is so excited he'll finally see his son, who he hasn't seen in 22 years, his beloved son, Yosef. And the climax of the story, as we all know, is where the brothers stand up on behalf of Binyamin. They stand up that he shouldn't be taken as a slave. Yehuda says, how can I go up and the child is not with me? And Yosef reveals himself. Incredible moment, incredible story. And it's important to understand, as we mentioned previous weeks, that this story represents the Geula, the redemption of the Jewish people. It represents the moment in time when all of the Jewish people throughout the world will recognize Hashem, will recognize God. All of the, all of mankind will recognize Hashem, and there will be a, a tremendous unity, a bringing back of all of the Pirud, all of the separation that exists between all of humanity, all of the Jewish people themselves within ourselves. Everything will be mitached. Everything will come into oneness. Just like Hashem will be one, we'll be able to recognize that all that occurred throughout history was all from God. So too it will be that there will be a oneness in humanity itself. I'd like to share with you a beautiful measure that speaks about this point, speaks about the oneness that was brought about, and speaks about it in terms, in, in two different ways of thinking. One has to do with, the, indeed, the future time, when Mashiach comes, when Messiah arrives. Something unique and interesting that will occur. And one has to do with the, the reconciliation between Yosef and his brothers. And let's see together what that has to do, what these two ideas have to do with each other. Ves Yehuda Shalach Lefana, the verse tells us, this is in chapter 46, verse 28. The verse tells us that Yaakov Avinu, after he realized that Yosef was alive, and he realized that it was the time for them to go down to Egypt in order for them to make their dwelling in Egypt, Yosef was there, that's where there was food. He sends Yehuda down in front of him. Judah, who had stood up for Benjamin. Yehuda stood up for Binyamin. He is sent down before the rest of the Jewish people, before Yaakov brings all of the 70 children, grandchildren, etc., that would accompany him. So Yehuda sent first. So the Medjish understands that there's, in, in that very idea that Yehuda is sent down, he's being sent to where? He's being sent to Yosef. There's an understanding here that there's a reconciliation that has occurred. Yaakov knows that he can send his son Yehuda to Yosef because of the fact that they are now on good terms, whereas previously there was a separation, there was 22 years where part of the Jewish people was separated from the rest of the Jewish people, Yosef was separated from his brothers. Nevertheless, at this point, they've come back together, and so it's safe, in a certain sense, to send Yehuda down. Ksiv, the Medrash says, Ze'ev yiru ke'echad. Pasuk in Isaiah, a very famous verse, refers to the fact that the wolf and the lamb will lie together. Well, not really that they'll lie together, but they will, they will pasture together. Right? They'll, they'll eat side by side in the field. A lion, just like other cattle, will eat straw. 
They won't be carnivorous animals anymore. Everything will become herbivores. All the animals will become herbivores. They'll all... Right, the fact that you can have animals that have... You know, one animal eats another animal. So that's something which is uh, an imperfection in reality. Why does one animal need to survive by eating up another animal? This is something that will change in the future. We see from this Pasuk, what we see from this verse, which speaks about the wolf and the sheep that they pasture together, the lion and the, and the cattle that they eat together. This verse teaches us that there will be a reparation, a fixing of things that were destroyed in the past. Hashem is going to bring about a perfection of reality with the coming of Mashiach. Ha'ivr misrapim, those who are blind will see again. Shenemar, Pasuk says in Isaiah chapter 35, Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. Those who are lame, they also will be able to, to walk again. Shenemar, the the one who is lame will be able to gallop like a like a like a deer. The one who is mute, he will sing glad songs. It's very interesting, very beautiful. So Mashiach is going to come, the Messiah will arrive. Not only will there be a reconciliation between the different parts of mankind, there will be a reconciliation between the different factions of the Jewish people. There will be a, a, a shlama, a perfection, a fixing that will take place of all of the negative uh, manifestations of reality. All things that are broken, sickness, gone forever. Okay. Interestingly, the measure points out that when it comes to that time, when it comes to that moment in time, so Hashem is going to bring back the dead to life, right? Now, when Hashem brings the person back from the dead, will that person be blind as he was in his lifetime? Or will that person come back and be able to see? Medrash says something very interesting. The way that he left the world is how he returns to the world. If he was blind when he died, that person will be brought back to life and be blind as well. If he was deaf, he will return to life deaf. Mute, he'll be turned mute. Interestingly, we need to understand these ideas. I don't know if we'll get so into them, but it's very interesting. The way that a person was clothed, the way that he was dressed when he was buried, is how he comes back. How do you know that this is true? We find that Shmuel died, and after the prophet Samuel died, he was brought back through a seance by by a witch. Right? And it says in the Pasuk, when the witch saw her, saw him, he says, so Shaul, King Saul, who asked to bring back Shmuel, he wanted to ask him advice, wanted to ask him what's going to be. So when Saul said, what does he look like? Because Saul was able to hear. She was able to see. He's an old man. And he's wearing a coat. The type of clothing that he was wearing as when he was alive was what he was wearing in the vision 
that this witch saw of Shmuel Hanavi when he came as a ghost, so to speak. Why is it indeed that this is how it is? Why does a person, when Hashem brings a person back to life, or if a person has a vision of, you know, a few months ago I had a, I saw my bubby in my dream, right? What does she look like in my dream? It doesn't prove anything about anything because, you know, it's just my mind making something up. But I'm saying we can understand from a dream that the person looks, the way that they look in life, my bubby passed away 20 years ago, but in in the way that the person looks remains in the higher spheres, based on what we're reading here, and the way that the person returned to reality is based on how they were when they left the world. Now, why does Hashem bring them back to life when when there's Tchiyas HaMesim, in the future time? Why does He bring them back to life with that same mum, with that same problem? They were blind, they come back to life being blind. So the Medrash explains that a person shouldn't think A person would look at this person and say, this is not the same person, right? The person who we knew to be blind, right? This isn't the same, but it's a different person. That's what this person would say. Hashem brings them back to life looking exactly the same as they looked before. Their clothing is the same. Their defects are the same. And then... So that we shouldn't think that this is a different person, then Hashem brings them back to the state that they that they ought to be, takes away their chisar, takes away their blindness, takes away their inability to speak, takes away their lameness. That's why Hashem says, "Look, let them come back to life the way that I create them, created them." And then I will cure them. I am the one who creates. I'm the one who has power. There is no other power besides for me. It shouldn't seem like I can't do that. It needs to be clear that Hashem is the one who's doing it. Even the animals are cured, right? Because they also have a chisar, like we mentioned before. They also have. A, something that's wrong with them. They have a defect. And that is that they attack each other. That they feed on... A, why does one animal have to eat another animal? Let him eat plants. There's plenty of plants to go around. Right? So that's going to be fixed. Like we saw in the verse, that both the, the, the wolf and the sheep will pasture as one. Hakol misrapim. Everything is cured. Why? Mishehevi makalakol. Eina misrape. Interestingly, the Medrash also points out that there is one animal that is not going to be cured. The end of that verse, which speaks about the wolf and the sheep together, references the fact that the Nachash, the, the snake, will continue to eat dirt. It will continue that whatever it eats tastes like dirt. The snake, which was punished with that punishment, it is not cured. Why? Because it was the snake that caused man to sin and caused man and all of humanity and all of the the animal kingdom that everything should experience death. That intense defect, the defect of, of death, was caused by the snake. So the snake will not be cured. But every other creature, all all other animals, all human beings, 
all the imperfections of reality, it's, it's an amazing metric, it's very interesting, all the imperfections of reality were created because of Adam Rishon's hate, because of that sin of eating from the, from the Eitz Adas, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. As a result of that sin, all imperfections, sickness, blindness, lameness, deafness, all of these imperfections came into the world because of that, of that sin. But all of these things will be cured with the coming of Mashiach, with the Messiah's arrival. And so, we'll, we will have a return to that original state, to that, to that perfection of reality, which didn't need, we didn't need to have negative states. Right? Today, as we've spoken about many times, in order for us to receive good, there has to be some negative that comes alongside it, right? If I want to feed my family, I have to work, and work involves Difficulty, that's, that's part of what work is. Right? That's the, the curse of Adam, but that's the imperfection. Really, the way it should have been was, and the way the world was originally set up, was Adam would pray, he would just daven, the rain would fall, stuff would instantly, uh, you know, the fruits would instantly form on the tree. There was no process. The process was, was much quicker. Right? Just like he, the, the, the Gemara tells us, he got up onto the bed, they got up onto the bed two, they came down four. Right? There was no process in creating a child, even. The process was very quick. So, this idea is it's very powerful, very interesting. So, it's, you know, it's very interesting because the Mephoshimal say, you know, it's his one shot in the magistrate, it's really to get to the next shot, which we'll see very shortly. But really what you see here is that within the story of Yosef and his brothers, there is an imperfection Right, all machlekes in the world, the piru, the separation between us, between human beings, between brothers and sisters, between siblings, between families, between parents and children, between factions of the Jewish people. All of the piru, all of the separation that exists, is a result of the lack of perfection, the lack of geula, the lack of redemption, the lack of Mashiach, the fact that we don't have that, we haven't been returned to the state of perfection which we so desire, which we, which we, you know, in our heart of hearts, in our deepest intuition, we know is the way it's supposed to be. We know it's supposed to be that way. So, and how is all of the separation, how is the machlekes, where did all of this separation come from? It came again from the sin of Adam HaRishon. And the Jewish people's job is to rectify that sin. And we do it on different levels, and we've accomplished this at different times in history, but this was a moment which, like the future Gula, which will be the, the greatest moment of rectification, but there was a moment of rectification that occurred between the brothers as well, through Yosef, through that which he did to, to get them to atone for the sin that they had done by selling him. Now, let's see... Let's see the continuation of the Medrash. Tavaracher. Another explanation. And we need to know that whenever we have another explanation, it's always a parallel. Right? There's always a parallel. Very interesting. Medrash tells us that the wolf and the sheep, right? There's a wolf and a sheep. Who's the wolf and the sheep in our story? The wolf is Binyamin. And the sheep is a reference to the tribes, to the other ten tribes. Right, Benjamin is from Rachel Imenu, from Rachel. The other ten tribes are from different mothers, from different wives of Yaakov. But they are referred to as as a Seh, right, Binyamin. We know that Benjamin is referred to as a Ze'ev. Ze'ev is the wolf 
that is referred to by Yaakov Avinu Jacob in the blessings in next week's parsha. But the Shvat and the, the 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 tribes are also referred to as a sheep. Sepizura Yisrael, Yiruke Echad. The 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 sheep that have been sent in so many different multiplicitous places. The people of Israel are referred to as a sheep that's a flock that's been spread out. They will all come and they will shepherd as one. They will they will graze as one. Amosai. When was this? Look, there's a bringing together, right? There was a separation even before, not just between the brothers and Yosef, but Benjamin was also a separation. There was a separation between him and his brothers. He was a wolf, and they were the sheep. But there's a coming together of the sheep and the wolf. Where? Yaakov didn't want to send down Benjamin. Right? The, the brothers came down to Egypt by themselves, ten tribes, ten brothers, without Benjamin, without Benjamin. So there was a separation. That's, that's how the measure sets it up. I mean, we could, we could surmise that perhaps there was still a separation between them even before, intellectually, emotionally, just like there was a separation between the brothers and Yosef. Certainly I'm sure that Yaakov showed great favor to Benjamin, to Benjamin in the 22 years between when Yosef was lost and until he was found. Yaakov did not want Benjamin to go down. Very interestingly, when, when Benjamin came down, the brothers were protecting him. They were surrounding him. They, 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 they knew that they had to take care of Benjamin like, like nobody's business. It says that when they came in there, and and Yosef, he had to like he had to lift up his eyes. He had to like uh, get a good view because the brothers were completely surrounding him, protecting him. They didn't want anything bad to happen to him. So we see that Binyamin and the brothers came back together. The brothers protected Binyamin, and interestingly, he's referred to as a zav, a wolf, with something that that usually would destroy the brothers, would destroy the sheep, right? So, in a certain sense, we need to understand why. I don't think I have time to get into it, but we need to understand why Binyamin could be a force, for a, a negative force for the other ten tribes. Right? Aryeh Yehuda. Then we talked about, in the Pasuk, if you recall, we talked about the lion and the cattle, which also come together and they eat, they eat tevin, they eat straw. So who's the lion? Aryeh is a Yehuda. The lion is Judah. Gur Aryeh Yehuda. Like the Pasuk refers to him. Jacob gave a blessing to Yehuda. He's like a lion. He's like a lion cub. Kabakar is a Yosef. Who is the cattle that's referred to in this verse? It's a reference to Joseph. Bechor Shari Hadalai. The verse in Devarim, in Deuteronomy, in the blessings of Moshe Rabbeinu, of Moses, to Joseph. So to the tribes of Benash Ephraim. Bechor Shari refers to, to Joseph, the firstborn, as the ox, the cattle, right? Nimsu Eichlem Ka'achas. The Pasuk says that they all ate together. Right? The Pasuk, the verse tells us how in this story, they all ate together. They all ate together. Eating, excuse me, very interesting that eating together represents a certain peacefulness. Right? 
And I would recall, the Medrash doesn't mention this, but I would recall how the brothers ate after they sold, or after they, they threw him in the pit. I don't remember if it was after they threw him in the pit or after they sold him, but they ate. The Pasuk says, they sat down to eat bread. So eating is a concept of of doing that which is required in order to maintain the soul and the body, right? If the human being will not eat. So we lose the connection between the soul and the body. Right? A person could die if they don't eat. There's spiritual sustenance for the soul itself to, to, to continue to exist. There's physical sustenance for the human body to exist. But the, the connection, the connection between soul and body is maintained through eating. When they ate, earlier in the story, they ate by themselves, represented in their connection, there was separation. There was separation from Yosef. Here at the end, when they eat together, Yosef brings them to eat with him. It represents this same concept as the eating of the wolf and the lamb together. They no longer destroy each other in order to maintain their existence. They, they stand side by side. There's an achdus, there's a, a, a unity between the animals. There's no s- destruction. There's only standing side by side. And there's a bringing together of the brothers, this moment of Geula. This is what it means in the verse when it says that the lion and the cattle will eat together, the straw. It's a reference also to Yosef and Yehuda, that they come together. That's, how, that's why Yaakov sent Yehuda ahead. He saw, it's not clear exactly what Yaakov knew. Did Yaakov know that there had been uh, uh, he knew that 22 years before there had been a tension between the brothers. Did he know? Did he know that they had sold him? It's not clear if he knew. Did they know? Did he know in the end? But clearly, he knew that there was a tension that was resolved. And because he knew that this tension was resolved, that's how he was able to send Yehuda ahead to partner with Yosef to set up shop, so to speak, in Egypt. Different Mephorshim as to what exactly he set up. He went to set up the. Their, the place where they would live, we went to set up the um, the yeshiva where they would learn, etc. In any event, there's a coming together. There's a coming together, and that's the perfection. And there's a coming together of the different parts of the Jewish people, and there's a coming together of the different aspects of humanity and the different aspects of the animal kingdom, and there's an eating together. And this is the foundational idea. And this is what we're waiting for, you know? All these psukim, we read them, these stories, we read them, they're very, it's a very powerful story, but it's, it's not just powerful in and of itself because of the story itself, but it's also powerful insofar as whatever, the, whatever we see in the foundations, in the roots, in the DNA of the Jewish people is what we will see unfold throughout the Jewish people's history, throughout the 3,300 years since the Jewish people left Egypt, really 3,500 years since this story occurred. But they are the roots, they are the DNA. And so whatever is going to occur in the future time is also laid out for us. And this is something that's happening. This is something that's happening right now as we speak. There's, there's something amazing that's happening in Eretz Yisrael, in the land of Israel, of course. The return of the Jewish people to Eretz Yisrael, 7 million strong and Hurricane Yerbu should continue this way. There is a, a something that's going on in the world.
It's something that's going on in the world, preparing the world for the ultimate time, for the Mashiach's arrival, when, the, when these types of things will occur. So I want to bless you and ask you to bless me. Hashem should help us. That we should recognize the places of separation between ourselves and between others around us, between other types of Jews, other types of people. Hashem should help us that we should be able to reach our own personal ge'ula, our own personal redemption, our own personal coming into relationship. You know, every single one of us has a certain period, a certain separation from those around us. It might be our spouse, it might be our children, it might be our parents, it might be, it could be anything. Hashem should help us to recognize that where does it come from? Where does the, the reconnection comes from? Where does it come from? The reconnection comes from the Geula process, from a redemption process that each and every one of us can experience. Hashem should help us to recognize what it is, what tikkunim, what rectifications we need to perform in order to get back into the proper states of relationship with those around us. Hashem should help us to experience that on a personal level, and Hashem should help us to experience that on a national level with the coming of Mashiach. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos. This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes, Ari Goldwag.